Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. On us, we continue. I hope you can hear me now. We continue our conversation, and uh, we join our. We joined by R. J. Benjamin, our resident musical genius. I am sure he loves that title, resident musical genius for our music feature. He joins me on the line now this afternoon. R. J. Thanks so much for joining us again. <laughs> Take it and run with it, R. J. Take it and run with it. I won't. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was actually yeah. waiting to see. I was starting mm. to count the weeks. When is he going to do Stevie Wonder? When is he going to do Stevie Wonder? And it's all yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm such a I'm such a Stevie junkie. Yeah. Um, what What is it about Stevie Wonder that that you refer to him all the time? So, is it technical mm. ability? What is it about him that sets him apart from everybody else? Uh, you know what? He's such a deep and nuanced artist. There, there is so much. You know, um, so, some people are, are one-dimensional. I'm not saying names, yeah. but, um, but 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 Stevie Wonder, it, it, there is so much there. You know, when, when you listen to his body of work, and this is what I love about an artist like Stevie Wonder, um, uh, you feel like you're listening to the history of music. Period. Um, he. He, he's delved into so many different musical styles. Um, his lyric writing, you know, you know, uh, um, for a guy who was born blind, um, he writes music like he's read thousands of books. He writes mm. lyrics like he's uh, like he's he's been he's been granted the gift of, of sight. Sure, he, I never thought of it that way. Living. I never yeah. thought of it that way. Okay, and I mean, he was he was born blind. Um, he was born blind, yeah. But you know, this is one of those kids who was a genius very early on. He, I mean, he it was it was very obvious. Barry Gordy, um, who, who 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 scouted him, I actually think Stevie Wonder's mom, she believed her son was a genius. So so she she sent him to this new place called Motown, which is looking for for young talent. And he was 11 years old at the time. Barry Gordy was, uh, I think he went in and he played drums and he played the harmonica and he sang like a, a monster and he played with the piano and Barry Gordy was like, I need this guy. He was 11 at the time. Mm. And I mean, uh, um, he had his first number one hit in America, Billboard number one hit at the age of 13. I mean, that's generally unheard of. Wow. You know, the, was it Fingertips? Uh, the young Michael Jackson, maybe. Fingertips is yeah. correct. That was his first hit. Yeah. And then at eleven, I don't know how you consume that. At eleven, being a number one hit, a maker yeah. is quite incredible. Unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable. And then he he moves on, and 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 yeah. that career just flourishes all the way until around about twenty one. What 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 changes the course of his career around twenty one? Yeah. So so look, I, I think the maturity of the guy. I mean, ten years he was already a superstar. Yeah. This is a twenty one year old who was an absolute absolute. He was a household name. But I think for Stevie, up to that point, he didn't have artistic control. Mm. And he saw uh, older Motown artists, in particular Marvin Gaye, and, uh, uh, um, and, and Marvin Gaye had really taken control of his material. That's why suddenly he was releasing this very deep stuff, like what's going on um, was, you know, a, a lot of that kind of material he was coming through with. And Stevie wanted to do the same thing. And he, want, he believed that he had enough creativity that if, if Barry Gordy gave him control of his music, he could make a true stamp on the history of music. Um, and he was lucky. Um, Barry Gordy ultimately granted him almost full freedom on, uh, to, uh, for his music. And that 
sparked this incredible, what they call the genius period, um, the classic period, some people call it, of Stevie Wonder. Um, and and really, um, many people consider it. It's about, uh, I think it's, it started in 1972, ended with Songs in the Key of Life, which I think was around 1976, 1977. Um, and many people con- consider it the greatest creative run in the history of music. Hmm. And look, let's start playing some music before we get into trouble. Right. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, people listen to this to hear the stories as well as to yep. revel in the music. What's the first yes. song you want us to play, RJ? The first, uh, the first song we're going to play is You Are the Sunshine of My Life. It's from the album uh, Talking Book. The other big song from that album was Superstition, which people must know. It's an absolute classic. This album and these songs were his first uh, number one hits from this period. Um, and it earned him his, uh, his very first Grammy Award. Wow. Um, so, yeah, you're the sunshine of my life. I'm in conversation with Stevie. No, I'm not in conversation with Stevie Wonder. RJ Benjamin is my guest. We're uh-huh. discussing Stevie Wonder. I mean, I wish. You are the sunshine of my life. Listen, what happens to an artist who, yes, we've known has been great, but suddenly gets a Grammy? What happens to that particular artist when a Grammy comes along? Well, I think for a lot of artists, uh, I mean, it doesn't always happen. I mean, you, you see this happening in sports a lot, but, you know, the Grammy is like, it's like winning the Grand Slam of tennis or, you know, or winning a gold medal at the Olympics. It's, it's really the, the, you can equate it to that. And I think it, it, it adds a lot of pressure because as much as now you've done it, you've won that Grammy, but then a lot of people are going, what's next? What is, uh, it, is this person going to follow up with mm. this? It? Was, was this the peak? And are we never going to see that again from them? Um, it's happened to a lot of artists in, his, in the history of music. It's almost like that, that one trick pony thing or one hit wonder, you know, and then you kind of never really hear from that artist again. They blow up, and then there's. I mean, a great example is Lauren Hill. I mean, mm. she, she, she's mm. incredible, but she mm. could not mm. hear, um, follow um, up. How, yeah. how can I say? Yeah. She couldn't follow up from this education. Stevie was just a, a different ballgame altogether. This seemed to just spark him to more because I think he felt like, you, you see, Barry, this paid off. You, you've given me control of mm. my music. Look what I could do. And you know what? I've got more. I've got so much more. And he really did. He, um, Stevie took off from there. Um, he started experimenting with synthesizers, a lot of synthesizers, which up to that point were, were non-existent existent in music. And the only other person who really started messing around with synths was Herbie Hancock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but Stevie really was part of the innovators of that, of the sort of syn- synthetic, synthesized sound that, that started to creep up in the 70s. And then all of a sudden you heard it in disco. Yeah. And the 80s was all synthesizers. So mm-hmm. you know, Stevie can really be thanked for the, the hard work he did in, in helping um, put them on the on on the map, and that that superstition, right, is yeah. is that song, right, that that actually encapsulates everything that you just said now. Absolutely, I mean, um, there's that classic um, uh, the synth that they use on that is called a clavinet, it's a, uh, and it really became synonymous with funk music. Um, you know, it's a keyboard. Mm. It sounds like it's a guitar. And, and Stevie uh, essentially laid like three separate lines to almost simulate a guitar. No one else had done it up to that point. It was, it was like people were hearing a brand new instrument for the very first time. And, um, and that started with superstition. And he just kept it going for the rest of um, that era. I mean, Living for the City, which uh, I believe you played earlier, mm-hmm. um, that, that song incorporates those very sounds. And the other key thing is he's pretty much playing every single instrument that we're listening to 
from his music today. He was playing everything. He mm. was the first guy to do that. And, and that inspired guys like Lenny Kravitz, who started playing uh, all his own instruments on his albums. Prince did the same thing. There's artists to this day. Um, one of the Jonas Brothers, um, the guy who sang Jealous, he's yes. a multi-instrumentalist. And he, all these guys were inspired by, um, by what Stevie was doing in the 70s. Okay, so let's play what is deemed to be the funkiest song of all time, Superstition. Stevie Wonder, Superstition. So, RJ, yeah. one of the things that makes um, Stevie Wonder what he is, is that not only is he somebody that is able to play, that is acoustically, I mean, very sound and all of that, yeah. he, be- yeah. he became very socially conscious. He became very socially conscious. And I, I do think also inspired by Marvin Gaye and what he saw Marvin doing based on um, what was happening with Martin Luther King um, and Malcolm X. And I mean, Muhammad Ali was part of that whole movement. Sam Cooke, who, uh, uh, who we spoke about a few, mm. uh, few weeks ago. But Stevie really, um, I, he, he really felt that he had something to say about this. And he had, he had a way to say it in a different way. Mm. And so when his 1973 album In the Visions came out, um, you know, he released uh, Living, Living for the City, which was essentially his first socially conscious song. And it was important for him. He, um, he really, uh, he saw the plight of his people, the, uh, what he felt was systematic racism in America, and essentially how the inner cities where most black communities were living were pur- purposefully being neglected by um, the American government at the time. And, and Living for the City just completely talks about all of that. He had another song called He's Mr. Know-It-All, mm. um, which I recently discovered was about uh, Richard Nixon and what, oh. uh, and, uh, and what Richard Nixon was doing, doing to the, uh, you know, the country, lying. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things going on in America now. I'd love yeah. to see what Stevie Wonder would write about <laughs> Donald Trump. But, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, these socially conscious songs became a trend with Stevie. I mean, he wrote um, a lot of songs um, about Africa, um, about uh, Zimbabwe, um, particularly in the early 80s, um, talking about, you know, uh, uh, a democratic Zimbabwe. Uh, even there, I'd, I'd be curious to know what he thinks mm. about um, Zimbabwe now, given that, you know, Robert Mugabe has passed on. Mm. Um, but he, he just became one of those artists. Uh, I mean, he was a crucial part of We Are the World. Mm. Um, you know, so Living for the City was really the spark to all of those other songs. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more around Stevie Wonder. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. We're discussing Stevie Wonder. My guest is RJ Benjamin, and we're discussing the wonder that is Stevie Wonder. We were at a point where, uh, RJ, we were discussing just how prevalent um, at the moment, at that time, I mean, the songs that were were, were, at, were advocating for change. He was right in the thick of that movement at the time, Stevie Wonder. Have we lost Steve? Have we lost RJ? Hello. Are you still there, RJ? Did you hear me? Uh, are you? Can um, you hear me? I can hear you now. I was just saying okay. that we were discussing before the ad break. We were discussing yes. how he had become part of that culture where yes. advocacy was part of the music as well. Yeah. I, um, I mean, look. Uh, uh, as as we discussed before, Bob Dylan really was the first one to kind of. Uh, uh, Speak out about what was going on in uh, in society. I mean, obviously that directly affected the U.S. Mm. Um, you know, and and I think um, Stevie, to be honest, Stevie was probably um, the one who took it and 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 took it to the broadest audience. Yeah. Um, be- because he, what he was able to do is he was able to take 
these serious, serious topics, but added and connected to music that was just so funky. You know, that, that I mean, that they were playing this in the clubs. People were doing the jive to, uh, you know, to, to this music. I mean, it, it, uh, um, it, you know, I mean, these were songs, they were playing in disco clubs, but the songs were about socially conscious um, topics. I know, like for me, I was inspired by that. I did this song called Change the World mm. in um, about 10 years ago. Mm. And Change the World was about um, making a change, everybody, you know, doing something. And uh, and I was deeply inspired by, by him. Put a, you know, you, you put a strong message about trying to do your bit to change the world. You put that to a, to a, a, a funky song that suddenly is playing in chess and yamas mm. and... Um, and clubs and, par- and pubs and all that, and suddenly, who knows? Mm-hmm. You, you're reaching people you probably never would have reached before. Mm-hmm. He was able to do that. And so the the next song, Isn't She Lovely? I mean, this is one of those songs, as you said, you know, I, I don't know anyone who doesn't know the song. Yeah, I mean, you can say that about so many Stevie Wonder songs. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you can listen to a great hit and go, oh my God, I know that song, I know that song, I know that song. And and, and this is one of those songs. What I, what I also love about Stevie is, He's just uh, there's a flood of inspiration that um, that pours out of him, and and it's, it's never just like one song mm. or one thing. It's just so much. And he he had the birth of his first child. Um, her name was Aisha, and she still she actually tours tours the world with Stevie to this very day. And when she was born, it it had such a major impact on Stevie um, that he was going to have uh, another life. Um, mm. uh, and, and 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 he was like so deeply like moved by the birth of his child that he wrote what is considered by many people to be the greatest album of all time. Mm. The album's called Songs in the Key of Life, and I urge any listener listening to this: if you're going to listen to one Stevie Wonder album, this is the album to listen to. Um, it's it's an unbelievable album. There's so much joy in there. Um, he still talks about social issues, but. But it's clear in the album that uh, this joy, and I mean, I, um, I, lo- I love to say, that, say this, but your favorite, favorite album of all time, that's what his album is, Prince, Michael Jackson, Elton John, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, George Michael, mm. they've all stated that this is their favorite album of all mm. time. And, and it really is one of the most complete albums you'll ever hear in your entire life. Mm. Um, and, and Isn't She Lovely really was the song from that album that absolutely summed up this joy that he was feeling, this outburst of joy. Um, the, the album version of the song actually features um, Stevie and his wife at the time, Bath and Aisha. Yeah, she's all crying. And, <laughs> and then obviously, I think that must have inspired him to then create this Isn't She Lovely song. Oh. RJ? So beautiful. Yeah. I, I mean, here. your parting shot around this giant of a musician. Look, I mean, in his in his career, he's now I think won 23 or 25 Grammys in total. I mean, this specific period, this short period between 1972 and 1977, he he, he amassed 12 Grammys. Wow. The album Songs in the Key of Life, which isn't she, she loved when he uh, was on, that uh, uh, he got four Grammys. And at the time, for any artist, it was the most an artist had had gained from one album. Obviously, now Beyonce uh, had a ton. Michael Jackson in the 80s had like. Eight, that Dells had like seven or whatever, you know. So, but Stevie was really the first guy as an artist to to win like enough Grammys that you have to, you know, like, like have help, have help. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you need help. Exactly. It's it's lovely. Let's do this again next week, RJ. Thank you very much for your contribution. 
Anytime, anytime. Stevie Wonder was the musician we were looking into this week, and uh, we'll be back with RJ Benjamin again next week. Thank you very much, everybody. I want to speak to thank uh, my team, Wutlokwa. I want to thank Tabelo. I want to thank Phineas and Pelusha for putting together a great show. And I want to also thank you for listening in. Mas Chabamutolo is going to be with us from 3 to 6. And I said to you, this is the moment. She's going to be the lucky person to give away that 83,000 rand. So you do want to stay tuned and uh, they're actually not just going to be handed over the 83,000 rand. There's going to be a lot of competition happening before we actually finally hand over that 83,000 rand. Obviously 83,000 rand signifying 83 years in broadcasting right here on SAFM. I want to thank you all for listening and uh, let's do it again next week, Monday to Friday, 1 to 3. My name is Pimelo Mutina. Thanks everybody. It's now 3 o'clock. Let's go to the news desk with Uzi Lesako.